Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are recording episode 854, Thursday, June 30th, 2020, 2022. Jesus Christ. One <laughs> thirteen p.m. Eastern time. I've never done an episode with someone in Moscow. And with that, my friend, please introduce yourself to all the listeners. And to me, I guess. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm O'Grey. I'm from St. Petersburg. Well, I still haven't. Well, hey, the point, <laughs> still, hey, the point still stands. I've never sure. done an episode of someone. Yeah, it's it was true. not a false statement. It was not a false statement. No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you've already got more integrity than the mainstream media by admitting well, hey, that I, mess up, haven't you? Established uh, trust right away. I've never yeah, done an episode yeah. with someone from... I have done an episode with somebody who walked on the moon. But not Moscow. But um, yeah, man. Um, sorry, I cut you off. Introduce yourself to everybody. That's okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, great. And uh, yeah, my peculiarity is uh, well, apart from being a foreign agent, uh, <laughs> RT, which I'm very proud of. Um, I yeah, I'm an Englishman living in Russia, and uh, I I've, I've been bringing people the other side of the news. Um, I don't. Uh, I have my own personal persuasion and slant on things, but in general, I try to balance what's being reported in the mainstream media versus what's being reported in the Russian, and generally have a laugh, you know, if it's not too dark a topic, yeah, because uh, it's often quite amusing seeing the disparity. Oh, it's hilarious! It's absolutely. <laughs> well, you either laugh or you cry. Sometimes it's not hilarious. Well, I when mean, you see some of the crap they come out with. Yeah, I mean, but I, I think I think humor is a way to sort of to remedy everything and i always kind of go to the immediate darkest thing and uh, in 2014 i lost my older brother to suicide and i can't help but you know you spend so many years in a dark place about it that now all i can do is when i see something i think about how hard he would laugh when i hear a comedian or i play a video game i just i think of like the stupid shit he would say you know it used to be i hope he's looking after me and now i'm like He's probably looking at me like, how the hell is this douchebag building a podcast? Like, so you got to kind of find a way to laugh. So when you can laugh at something like that close, yeah, you can kind of laugh at geopolitics too. It's not to make light of it. but you're, it's... No, you're absolutely right. And I think the common thing there is trauma or something like that uh, adjusts your perspective. And uh, it's, it's no coincidence that these uniformed services have a very dark gallows humor. Yeah, uh, with things and yeah it's one of our defense mechanisms I, I guess but also those people are have more depth to them in my experience than um, perhaps those who have been more sheltered the the three-letter agency members <laughs> they've they've got to have a twisted sense of humor i know well, the yeah, British yeah. police force have a very very dark sense of humor from some of the news stories that came out with their antics but uh, yeah yeah that's uh mm, part okay. of it I have a I have a hat that says Department of Defense. It was my grandpa's, and I kind of want to put it on because you've got your foreign agent shirt. <laughs> yeah. I kind of I kind of feel like I need to. Earl, hold it down. I'm gonna go grab the hat. You do it. All right. This is my this is 
my late grandfather's room, my Department of Defense hat. So now we're officially, now we're officially uh, uh, agents of our own government, uh, respectively. With, with the flag behind you as well. Exactly That's right. Really we can't. Patriotic. We, we got to go. Yeah, really, like yeah. It. I've got, I've got U.S. dollar <laughs> pajama oh, pants. Oh wow! Yeah, so I'm I'm full Uncle Sam, just just blowing them right now. Um, so I had on a kind of along the same lines. I had on a a, a Wyatt from uh, Defense Politics Asia the other day, and he was talking about he was talking about the same thing, the sort of balancing to get to the because it's very easy to kind of do the the low brow, low hanging fruit. Uh, you know, conservatives bad, liberals bad, you know, own the other side. But you actually can in, a, in almost an ironic way. You can sort of get to the truth when you examine your own country's propaganda, the opposing country's propaganda and sort of draw a Venn diagram. You know, like mm. if the U.S. says this is happening in Kiev and then Russia says this is happening in Kiev. Well, what you can deduce is that indeed an event is taking place in Kiev, you know, whether it's the evil Russians are doing this or the evil Americans are doing this. You can boil it down in that sense. Is that is that kind of what you were getting at earlier? Um, A little bit like it's not always that black and white in the sense that some people say, well, one media is always telling the truth. One's always lying, as the West tends to claim. Can't trust anything out of Russia. But as people are learning, you also can't trust anything out of the BBC, Absolutely. out of CNN, for instance. Absolutely. And oftentimes, the truth is probably somewhere in between or non-existent. <laughs> it's a non-story. Yeah. It doesn't matter anyway. And probably both sides are BSing. Like today, we've just had this story about the Russians withdrawing from Snake Island. Uh, I'd seen the news as reported by a task of the Russian state media. It was posited positioned it was claimed that it was a goodwill gesture uh, to allow the ships to leave okay uh, all right i'll take that fine okay let's look at the cnn side russia is forced to hastily withdraw in speedboats under got heavy the... shelling from <laughs> high mars and all this stuff and you're like Hmm. Okay. You can almost well, see like the world war ii american <laughs> propaganda poster sure, like we've be... got them on the run <laughs> Yeah, I think Sean Penn and now Ben Stiller will be starring in that movie oh. <laughs> that will be produced of, of the withdrawal from Snake Island. But I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. So it's it's neither that they were beaten off with you know, high Mars and all these American weapons, neither was it a goodwill gesture yeah. <laughs> to allow grain ships. It's probably because it's a lump of rock in, in the sea that's indefendable, really. The Ukrainians tried to attack it and beaten back. Uh, I don't know why. Again, the, we don't know the truth there. Why would you expend so many lives on a, a rock in, in the sea? People claim all sorts of reasons, strategy and all, all this stuff. Uh, but the the main thing is, yeah, once you take those two sides and then you look in the middle, it's probably that Russia didn't want it. It's got better things to do, perhaps. Um, and uh, Ukraine, if they try and take it, will get blatted by the russian navy so it's it's a non-issue it's like a non-story as well yeah. okay so russia's left and what ukraine taking it and what or not taking it <laughs> yeah so that's often like the common theme throughout all of it then you've got playground politics 
literally in in the case of these spats between Liz Truss and Maria Zaharova and Sergei Lavrov and then Boris Johnson who wants to get undressed at the G7 summit and then they start bad-mouthing Putin and talking about horse riding. Yeah, it really is farcical sometimes, but it's quite amusing because, uh, as I say, you could get... You get all frustrated about it, but what's the point? <laughs> so, and for me, the material writes itself half the time. The comedy is there in black and white, talking about the UK sanctioning Russian trawlers that are catching cod and haddock that make fish and chips in England. UK is not sanctioning shit. They can't. They can't bully anybody. It's no, yeah. Then you have that, like the Chihuahua <laughs> that England is now, compared yeah. to how it sees itself. It's if laughable. China, Russia, or America sanctions you, it's legit. Everyone else oh. is just America just... tried sanctioning Russia, and that boomeranged back. It didn't fucking so work. Far. That's mm. kind of a, that's kind of like a, a red pill I've been forced to take. I'm 31. I started this podcast, mm-hmm. ironically enough, on the day COVID got to the United States. So the conspiracy thickens. December 12, 2019. And that's kind of like a red pill I've had is like, I've always loved the United States. Like, I'm not ashamed. Like, I just I love where I'm from as as you should love where you're. And I always say that as everyone should Mm. love where there's nothing wrong with loving the place where you were raised. I go, I'm from New England. I'm not there right now. But, I'm you know, whenever I go home, I was born there and all my family's there. Whenever you go there, you can't help but love it. Like, I love the cold. I love the mountains. I love everything. It's just what I love. All my, you know, I lived in Georgia for a while. It's hot as hell. And I never really felt home there. But all my friends, it's just, so there's nothing wrong with loving where you're from. That's just kind of throw that out in the beginning. You're a nationalist. Yeah. And as you should be, love your, love your home. That also goes with like, love yourself. The, the general kind of neoliberal hate yourself. I just can't get along with it. Life's too hard already. I can't hate myself that being oh, sure said, they want you to hate everything else including e- yourself exactly yeah. exactly so th- kind of all that being said right and i i interviewed uh, tons of veterans navy air force uh, uh, uh marines army all that good shit and obviously with the huge flag behind me like mm-hmm. i obviously love this place but something that's really sort of you always know like you kind of knew it as like an aside Right. I mean, no one with a functioning brain thinks that uh, in the U.S. thinks that like we're like we're objectively good. Right. Any cursory uh, understanding of history, anything you don't learn in school, just grab any book. The history of the CIA or a legacy of acid hatches, the history of the CIA by Tim Weiner. Anything you go back and you can find all the sort of the cobwebs and the skeletons. But there's also a sort of cognitive dissonance where it's like, well, nobody's perfect. All right. Sure. What really kind of made me realize it is watching COVID unfold, watching Mm -hmm. myself get banned from YouTube for interviewing Dr. (laughs) Malone, Dr. McCullough, all these guys, getting uh, suspensions for discussing potential election fraud. Seeing it with my own eyes really was like, oh, this isn't, it's like that meme. We all know the CIA has been doing evil shit since 1947 in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 80s, and the 10s. But we just kind of pretend it's not happening now. So the point of this whole rant is COVID really showed me like, oh, like the disinformation and the machinations of like the evil people in our own government. It's like, well, what else is wrong? Which kind of primed yeah, me that's for a key point. I, I just wrote in an email to someone as well just uh, a minute ago about that. Is the it 
is becoming nearly unavoidable for the everyday person. So you've you put yourself in the position where you're a content creator. So you kind of put yourself out there. Sure. Then you got the the whiplash of that censorship machine that just got unleashed on the world. So you were in a kind of peculiar position than everyday Joe. But now everyday Joe is actually starting to sort of put two and two together. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply and realize wait a minute so that they're, they're clearly there might be one story that doesn't make sense whether it's kramatorsk butcher or kremenchuk the other day you know something fishy that isn't right uh the the track record that kiev's building in bullshit that recently now that is going to break someone at some point where they're going to go do you know what they're they're liars and my my government is backing these guys uh-huh. uh, even this nazi issue yeah. is is nearly undeniable now it is so well documented and even Zelensky himself tripping up with his twitter and instagram photos with the uh tortenkopf the, yeah all the insignia the death is right in your face sign. yeah yeah so even everyday people are now like wait a minute again so like you've just pointed out if they're lying about this did they lie about covid if they lied about covid did they lie about something else and they're and it goes all the way back because from a documentary I watched about the Vietnam War, um, one little phrase that popped out was it was the first time that America or Americans realized they were being lied to Yes, about um, the Gulf of Tonkin and stuff uh-huh. like this. And I, I agree with that. I think and the, my, the previous generation to me and certainly the previous generation to them, they were very trusting of government. Uh, information and you know believe the best of the government's intentions but i i would agree that since vietnam and it's not just the american government either something broke in people and their trust between the government it was betrayed there and it only got worse uh from then on and now we're seeing it at like fever pitch where they're almost like laughing in your face <laughs> like how much we're taking the piss out of you and like how yeah. much more can we squeeze we're going to take more tax dollars of yours and throw it at um what well, clearly well not all of them let's say there is clearly a strong element of the society that is the element the same element that our forefathers died fighting and it's like that's perverted in itself but then when it's used to launder money for uh-huh. Biden and his family and the Clinton crime family and all the you know, Obama and not to mention Boris Johnson because of course they're all involved and you know they, I'm sure they've got their tentacles in all these these dirty pots I, as I say I, I think they're just yeah and then they've got the the comedian and clown and puppet of Zelensky being held up that uh, they're now realizing themselves people are sick of can see through that he's a joke yeah, uh, he's at Glastonbury the, <laughs> the, the other day. I think Greta Thunberg did a speech of him. The, Zelensky was there. The uniform. He's got a uh, uniform. He's got like a casting call yeah. uniform. He's I just came back from the front line, snapping necks and throwing grenades. And it's like, yeah, dude, no one buys it. Come on now, like yeah. it's like George Bush putting on the flight suit and getting on the aircraft carrier and saying mission accomplished. Like, go fuck yeah, yourself. Actually, see Bush get pranked and actually be back on like. 
uh, my screen once again it was kind of a fond memory. It's like, oh, Dublin, I missed you. Oh, 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 you, you, oh, you, oh, you, you giving me bullshit about Iraq. No, I know you're lying. Those I mean, were I know the days. It's and Tony Blair. Let's yeah, wait, it was right. It's because you do see that a lot. I mean, even my parents. I mean, I remember my, you know, I never met my dad's parents, but my mom's parents. I grew up with. I grew up with them, and I remember her telling me, um, she could really once kind of we got older maybe when i was in 20s and started to see us like tell mom and dad things like hey turn off cnn turn off fox like Mm. it's not real i remember her saying she was like it was kind of hard for me to realize but then i also remember she's like when i was your age having to tell my own parents like hey it's not all it's not all rainbows and sunshine because you do have that right i mean you grow up in the depression the dust bowl you get through world war ii uh, my grandpa couldn't fight because he had bad eyes and asthma, but his brother were, was on D-Day, right? Survived, joined the yeah, FBI. Cool. You, I mean, you love, yeah, 18 years old, Omaha Beach. Holy shit. Came back, worked for the FBI for 50 years. His son worked for the FBI and the DEA. You grow up very much so like, yeah, when you're, when you fight literal, I mean, as, as off, but you fight literal Nazis and the mm. Imperial Japanese. Oh, yeah, there's, Japanese. Yeah. There's sort of a, how can you not come out of that with camaraderie, right? Korea mm. gets a little fuzzy, but you do see it with Vietnam. Sure. You hear a lot of one of the guys I have on here a lot tells me that his dad was a veteran. He, mm. This guy I have on a lot's a veteran. His dad was a veteran. And he goes, I remember him telling me like Vietnam was the first time that there was that slow creeping realization like, oh, Uncle Sam's not the good guy either. Mm. And it, my generate, I was born in 1990 you know 9-11 i mean i was 11 years old i kind of remember that mm. but i remember even in 03 i was 13 i was in seventh grade i remember even then some of my friends being cognizant enough to go you know i don't think there's anything in iraq and some of us yeah. were like we got to go kill the terrorists apparently we had like braces and we're this tall yeah sure but even then i remember some of my friends were like this is bullshit and as you get older you see iraq you see no one prosecuted for 08. And then to me, COVID was really the the cold water in the face. So when Russia invaded Ukraine, I remember looking at it very like, it seemed way too much like COVID. There was immediately a lockstep message from the media. Russia yeah, bad, Ukraine good. Yeah. You immediately attack anyone that questions anything. Oh, are you a Russia sympathizer? You have the propaganda. Snake Island, the ghost of Kiev. You had this with anti-vax as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I know this as someone that was permanently fucking <laughs> yeah. banned from YouTube. It's the same tactics. I saw it again. immediately and I was like, I was like, it has nothing to do with that. It's a war or that it's a pandemic. It's the same thing. Lockstep message, demonize the other side yeah. and attack all opposers as anti-American. The other side is if you can't win the argument, don't have the argument. Don't have Lock yeah. it down. Censor lock yeah, it up just just get it out of the way the the thing i want to touch on you mentioned about sure. cognitive dissonance and actually i uh, i have to acknowledge that in myself in the past sure. I, like you i was in what we call primary school um when tony blair was elected uh it was like the first time like, i actually paid attention to my dad who used to watch like poli- politics on tv previously had found it obviously really boring but with a with iraq coming in obviously this was the second sort of Gulf War, because the previous one, Desert Storm, had been before. But even then, I was like, mm. this was the time that David Kelly was suicided. And I remember watching the BBC News that 
that something off about that story with that man, that weapons inspector. I was yeah. like, oh, and I, I knew, I just got this feeling about Tony Blair, you're a bullshitter. Yeah. And even even though I grew up with that, I still joined the army and I st- with the idea of getting to Iraq. Yeah. That's messed up. And that was within me as well. So I knew my government were, were oh. lying. You know, well, not new. I had that in my stomach. Had anyway. in your gut. And yeah, I signed up on the dotted line and was happy to... Well, I didn't fight for queen and country. Uh, as I soon learned, you fight for the man next to you. Yeah. That's how it's gotten. It's, that's how it's changed since the Second World War. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion. And I can tell you, that, uh, not recently in the British Army, because this was over, oh, well, nearly 20 years ago uh, when, I, when I was in the infantry. But they that's like, I can't really explain why i did that uh, is of course then afterwards you then dig in and you find uh, all the other cobwebs and all that other stuff that's going on and now with epstein as well well yeah you know, all this that's snowball now yeah people who are keeping tabs on this are really realizing that something something's wrong r kelly now convicted <laughs> He got, well, he got he got 30 he got 30 years yeah 30 years you ain't got 20. On the one hand, I'm looking at it positively, like, oh, well, hopefully they're cleaning up house now, uh, but I don't want to be too optimistic in yeah. that regard. When you you said you didn't know why you signed the dotted line, I mean, I I never served, but I mean, I think I could answer. Despite everything I'm saying, why am I still holding the flag behind me? Well, it's not I didn't know I signed up. I knew clearly why I signed up. Uh, again, Tony Blair had come up and he'd brought in all these um, education reforms, namely getting rid of free university education, bringing in student loans similar to the US. You know. uh, so I could see it was a sausage factory. So I, let's say I was 15, 16, and I was seeing all my friends lining up as sausages, going into the debt machine, going to university, and then... Um, what did they end up with? Most of them worked in, in what you'd call Walmart or Tesco's or had a gap year and traveled the world or whatever. But it was, in my opinion, my sister was three years older. So I also got a kind of preview as what was coming. I was like, that's not for me. And I thought you're all chumps. You're all idiots. I'm going to join at the time I was thinking to join the Navy, but I, I went and viewed one of the ships. And as we were walking around the stern, I saw a group of engineers under the flight deck around a big bowl with massive stomachs smoking away over this big bowl of cigarettes. I was like, oh, that's, that's not how I want to be. No. That was the, the one little flash is like, no, Navy's not for me. And, uh, you yeah, know, I'm sure veterans listening will, <laughs> will laugh will, at yeah. that. Uh, I smoked as well. Well, I went on to smoke. Uh, I may have been smoking at the time, but even that was like a disgusting image. I was like, I'm not going to be locked in the bowels of a steel monster for six months at a yeah. time. So uh, I thought Marines. Uh, I went to the Marines. I did the pre-selection, but in celebrating going off to the pre-selection not even passing pre-selection i got drunk with some mates and caught a cold uh, like running naked for a few miles one evening so when i got to the pre-selection i had this raging flu (laughs) so i failed the marines and when i went to the recruitment office after uh, an army guy saw me and uh, he said oh what are you here for i said the marines what do you want that for so uh, I, i i just want to get into uh, into the armed forces he said oh, the army will have you in like a couple of months he made this wild false promise so i was like oh yeah i'll, I'll do the army no worries i uh, did the pre-select the battery tests you know the yeah whatever you call intelligence stuff 
and I end up with four A4 sheets of paper of all these different careers. Now, I'm young, dumb, and full of spunk. Uh-huh. I was just like, which one's the easiest that I can guarantee to get into? And of course, the recruiting sergeant was infantry. She was, I was like, what about tanks? Right, infantry. <laughs> what, what do you want to do tanks for? Infantry doesn't mechanize. You, you could do it all in the infantry. I was like, well, sign me up. Well, fuck. And I, yeah. yeah <laughs> Put it that way. Go. Point me in the right direction. Um, <laughs> so then it turned out afterwards, and this is part of growing older um, and being cynical like I am, he's then finding out he was on paid commission for Absolutely. every Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so he got like 250 pounds for my signature and the infantry was not for me uh, i did despite being a cheeky little shit and dodging lessons and all this i managed to coast through school and come out with re- pretty good um exams i had what was an a star they've changed all the rating system now an a star i think four a's three b's two c's which was you know not infantry material yeah. infantry material is like c's and fails and all this. Infantry, yeah yeah so my corporals they they took a shine to me they're like oh you think you're better than us i was like i don't think i'm better than you i know i'm better than you yeah I know <laughs> you know young the, dumb and full of spunk saying that the, the literal corporal. test show i'm better than you. Yeah. <laughs> so i got beasted which was good because i had a good attitude adjustment being a cocky little shit that i was uh which was a great experience but uh ultimately yeah even my commanders then said you're sort of a square peg round hole and uh, recommended that i go to um the adjutant general's corps well, by this time, I'd been pretty nicely bullied <laughs> for like a year. And then they were telling me to become like a, a secretary for a general. Now, I agree that absolutely is the best life. And that is the quickest way to get promoted absolutely. in the general's corps. You know, there were guys who were majors and that in a very short space of time because... Kiss ass, look balls. Yeah, yeah. Right yeah the top, brother. Taken around by a brigadier general. You have to, okay, pick up his socks or whatever, wipe his ass. That's fine. But, you know, get a good paycheck. You're not in any danger and great pension at the end of it. But that wasn't fun enough for me. That wasn't, like, I did like the infantry for all the, well, the shits and giggles we got up yeah. to. So, yeah, I was, in the end, I, I, um, I, I managed to get medically discharged, I think, for, um, uh, what do they call it? Exercise-induced asthma. Some bullshit like that. I was like, how? How does that even work? Um, I, I wasn't really happy about it, but I couldn't... Because you're in the infantry, you can't transfer out easily at all in the British Army. Um, there were people transferring into the infantry who were bored being in the Royal Logistics and the Air Corps. I remember two Army Air Corps guys came in transferring to the infantry i said well, why are you here we got bored of playing football all day soccer mm. all day i was like what <laughs> well <laughs> yeah uh, so i was trying to transfer to uh, more educated or, or something with a trade like a um, tank mechanic or something something i could take to civvy street afterwards uh, and clearly that wasn't gonna happen and then i was told as much they're like you're pretty much stuck here mate so either you go through and i made the wrong well in the scheme of things, I probably made the right decision because I lost a few guys that I trained with out in Afghanistan afterwards. So as ill-advised as my choice may have been at the time, I, I look at it as just the fates were intervening mm-hmm. there. And um, the doctor, I don't know, he had sufficient evidence to write me off as um, as like a condition that I picked up in the army. I, mean, I think he was being kind to me because I was pretty down at the time as well. So I, th- I think he didn't I mean, want... I mean, dude, my gra- my grandpa, I think it was asthma. I don't think it was even like a lifelong thing. 
And no, he, yeah, he was so well. mad that he couldn't go deploy. I mean, dude, he would have been on Omaha Beach. I very well might not yeah. be here. So, I mean, yeah, I, exactly. I get it. I get you it. You can't question the gods. And Shout out the doctor. As I said, I was smoking at the time. So yeah. it's probably that I just had a few too many cigarettes <laughs> that day. And when he put the, you know, the foo-foo on yeah, there. Yeah, you didn't blow the O2 I, enough. Yeah, I didn't blow it enough. So I hit the criteria where you could go, Nat, get you out. Um, so I was gutted at the time, as you can imagine. Yeah. Like, uh, you, when you set your sights on the military career, that's all you want to do. Uh, and it took a long time psychologically to adjust back to Civvy Street. But I mean, uh, yeah. I kind I kind of get it. I was I was pre med in college, and I was like psychopathically. When I do when I set my eyes on something, it's it's truly all I do, like to a mm-hmm. fault. In in middle school, it was basketball. In high school, it was weightlifting. In college, it was pre med. Now it's the pod. I mean, it's been a little over two years, and that eight hundred something episodes. It's it's all I do. And in college, I was. I mean, all day, every day, studying, shadowing doctors, doing research, getting straight A's, volunteering at the hospital, getting letters of recommendation, kissing your ass, never partying, never drinking, never doing whatever. Mm. And I was, I studied for the MCAT for nine months. I scored in the top four percentile on it nationally. I was just kicking fucking ass. And I remember like looking up like a year ahead of time, like how soon you had to get in your applications. And it was, wasn't just that you had to have a good resume. You also had to apply early because like, I don't know how many students apply to medical schools in the United States, but it's, it's like less than a 1% acceptance rate. And so I was like looking up online, finding the exact deadlines when you had to get it. I was already like pre-purchasing like paid envelopes to send it to like the, the center where like it gets processed. I mean, I was, I was on, I was treating like a military operation Mm. and I was so on the ball that after four years of doing this, got it all perfect, ready, just perfect. And like, I sent it out. And like 30 hours after the applications open, the op- applications are open for like 90 days. Mm. I had mine out the hour you could get it in. Like 30 hours later, they switched the application, just like a clerical thing. They changed the applications, a little bure- bureaucratic bullshit. And so when they got mine, it was deemed like void because I was using like an old thing, which is bullshit because I had used the soonest one possible. Mm. So they sent it back to me, told me I had to resend it. And so I sent it back in. Now this doesn't sound like much, but having to wait 10 days to reapply when you're trying to compete at the, the raise, cause I was not the only one doing this. Every yeah, kid at yeah. Harvard, Yale, they're all doing the same fucking shit. They're, they're called mm. gunners in like the pre-med community. It's where you're at the starting line and you're looking at everyone else and you're just, it's because it's a game of millimeters. And so me not being able to do that, it fucked me. So I was so upset. I, I was just angry at like the universe. I was like, I've been doing this for four years and I didn't even do anything wrong, Ooh, but man. I got thrown back. What it led to me is had a, an incredible resume and it led to me, I mean, I applied to 30 med schools. I got three interviews. And guys I knew who had worse resumes than me, worse GPAs, worse MCAT scores, fewer letters of recommendation, but they applied on like day two. They got like 30 interviews. Wow. And that always infuriated me. But right after I graduated, I realized I didn't want to be a doctor. And I had that kind of realization. I decided I didn't want to do it. Had I gotten in, I would have signed on the dotted line. And then you're on the hook for $80,000 a year. Yeah, there you go. In hindsight, what I thought was the worst curse of the gods. Mm -hmm. I look back at now and I'm like, 
because my, my uncle's a doctor. I remember him telling me, he's like, the only way you can pay off medical school bills is by becoming a doctor. It's the only fucking way you'll pay it off. Yeah. So it's quicksand. Once you start it, you got to go through with it. So kind of in the same light as you, I look back at it and I'm like, eh, it's now I'm doing this and I'm happy as a clam. Right, clearly, because then that explains why your interest in COVID as well, and also your ability to uh, better understand certain parts of it than the layman. So, yeah, that makes sense there. But it's still, it's the same sort of, you get tied into this weird. So, actually, so let's kind of riff on that then. What seems like a curse at the time, later turns out to be a total blessing. So let's, you're let's... getting very philosophical. So right? now we are. Well, we got yeah, because then that back leads to... to why I've been even in Russia. So uh, I, the I curse was of... with propaganda war is, is <laughs> no, there no, a benefit no. to this well, Actually, we look back more one universal, day more like on. universal influence uh, so after the uh, one of the other reasons i uh, left the army was uh, i was very quick out of the gate in um uh how do we put it procreating <laughs> so with my uh, high school man. sweetheart um uh, how old were we i think i was 18 when my uh-huh. daughter was born so I, I joined the army as soon as i could so i just got in the army my daughter sure. was born whilst i was in training as well so i actually had a bit of guilt in the back of my mind um that they were at home obviously she was young i was young uh so there was a bit of guilt there that the father should really be at home sure and that weighed heavy on me so i when this the doctor kind of uh, came up with this reason to get me out i didn't really protest too much because yeah. like, i'll re-enlist yeah. um i won't get the whole life story i and then another event came in that stopped me re-enlisting on medical grounds it smashed my head um on a night out again again hey, I, but i got my yeah. first concussion a month ago uh yeah <laughs> this one was like he um yeah, uh, arachnoid hematoma. Oh and, Jesus! I had a, yeah, yeah. No. I had a, I have a scar right here. I was drinking with some buddies. Yeah, I got a nice long scar as well. <laughs> yeah, luckily <laughs> I was I was with some special for I was with a special forces guy, former Delta Force. Oh, no. And I was like, "Am I gonna die?" And then you're not gonna fucking die, you pussy. Yeah, shut up, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you wake me up for this shit? Go back. Yeah. <laughs> no. Anyway, I've, I've digressed. So anyway, I was I was with the mother of um, wind up two daughters for about fifteen years. And then that, uh, you grow up, you change, and uh, it ran its course. Um, so th- that wound down. She found someone else. And uh, at the time, I was kind of like, yeah. Sure. You know, I, I was now 31, 32. Uh, and we'd been together since we were like 15 years old. Yeah. So I was sort of like, yeah. That sucks, you know, but yeah. I, I know I'm a different person from the 15-year-old I was. So, yeah, yeah I get it. Go on, sure. you go your way. But yeah. then that, uh, that left me. So I'd always wanted to travel. I'd always known there was a big wide world out there and I wanted to go and explore it. So then I was left with a blank canvas and that itself is quite paralyzing. You know, what, what, what do you want to draw? And once you start drawing, you kind of, you get, you get drawn into it and you're kind of committed. Yeah. So I was quite careful. I was only doing temporary jobs for agencies for a long time because I, I didn't want to do a career yeah. or anything. I was pretty disillusioned, as I said, with um, Civvy Street or uh, normal jobs anyway. I'd been living, we had had a, about five years of living off the land in a caravan and helping volunteering building straw bale timber framed houses in uh, eco projects and stuff. So I loved that living out in the wilds. Uh, so then uh, after about a year of bumming around with these different jobs, um, one job. I did so well at, they hired me permanently in the office, and then five minutes past 9 a.m. one day, they just say, you're fired, which you can do in England, pretty much like in the U.S. 
Yeah. You can just hire someone, fire them as you wish. You can go down tribunals if you want, but it's legal costs. It takes time. Oh, no one off. can be bothered. So you just walk away. And I was like, ah, fuck it. Fuck yeah. all of you. I don't yeah. care. I'll just get another temporary job. Awesome. Yeah. But uh, I, I was doing YouTube or streaming as well in the evenings in my spare time. And I just mentioned that, oh, I got fired today, like five minutes after turning up. I wasn't even late or anything. They didn't give a reason. And someone who I was making videos about a video game. And someone from the company that made the game said, oh, sorry to hear your job news, but we've got a job opening in Paris. Are you interested? So I thought, yeah, I'll apply. I didn't get that job. I was unsuitable for it, um, as it turned out. I knew it. They knew it. But because I applied, I blipped on the radar in St. Petersburg at the head office. And then they said, oh, wow, this guy would be great um, to handle all our influences and what, what content game? creators. Can I ask uh, what game company? Probably better not actually, right. because no, no, the way no, that gotcha. story ended, yeah, which was in court as well. Don't worry, about <laughs> it. a theme. <laughs> I, I know. I've, I've, I've had plenty of podcasts where it's like, let's not mention this. Guy yeah, noted. it's probably it's quite no very worries. large, very large game company. Uh, it was uh, anyway. They hired me, and this was one of those weird things. So you know, someone just says, would you move to Russia in St. Petersburg? Bearing in mind, you've lived your whole life in um, England. But again, the mentality is probably quite similar for the US. In fact, some of um, my contacts were from the US who were also offered the job. And one girl did fly out to St. Petersburg for the interview before me. Uh, She found, well, she told me that Russia was too much of a patriarchy for her. There was too much male-dominated society, which she might be, in comparison... I, I, yeah, it would have been extremely difficult for her because it's been difficult for me. Uh, and I'm just talking not about the male dominated society. I'm talking about language. I'm, I'm talking about all those other things. Yeah. You factor that in with the stress of the job as well. Sure, I can understand that. And if you're on your own as well, uh, you know, a youngish female in Russia, yeah, that would be quite daunting. So I understand why she turned the job down, but great for me. So I just full YOLO, jump in the deep end, didn't even know the alphabet. And getting on the metro, even though it's translated from Russian Cyrillic into Western alphabet, the sounds make no sense. So you cannot you cannot link the two. So if someone says you need to go to Ladoshkaya, Ladoshkaya. Ladoshkaya. I've already forgotten it. I've already forgotten that. Or Novichokaskaya. Again, two minutes, two seconds later, I've forgotten it. And I can't even convert that into the Western alphabet, those noises, those sounds. Well, I couldn't at the time. So the metro was almost unworkable for me to begin with until you monkey see, monkey do, as we just say in the army. So you go with someone who takes you to the stop and you recognize how many stops it is, whatever. You start to navigate and learn. Uh, so, yeah, I ended up uh, in Russia. They took care of all the paperwork mainly. Um, it was still biometrics and stuff. So there, was, there were some hurdles. But just that feeling of, yeah, this is what I'm meant to do. Uh, and every every um, hurdle that might have been presented just fell over, you know, was not a problem as, as things go. That's kind of how you know you're on the right track of where you're meant to be or yeah. where you're meant to be going. If you have to slog uphill every step of the way, and you can call me lazy, but I just take that as a sign that that's not the way I'm meant to be going because I've lived, I've lived my life in ways where the things that I want to happen, uh, I don't even know that I want them sometimes. Just just happen, 
just very little effort on my part. You, you do have to work for things, and working is good. But if you have to slog, like where you're miserable, <laughs> yeah. that's where I've learned. That's where you're being told, just I chill can, out. I can kind of relate to that with getting in a medical school. I mean, yeah. it should not be easy. It should not be easy. You no know, stupid people should waltz in there. But I mean, it didn't even feel like, because no, I had other friends that were getting in, studying the same same courses as me so there you go so their hurdles were being fallen down for them yet you met a brick wall through nothing out of your own fault yeah, i had friends that were blue, playing like... in bands they were bartenders <laughs> yeah the one girl was just hot chick and she was always going out and just having a blast and like hey they study their asses off but there was this feeling of like i think it's supposed to be hard work i don't think it's supposed to rob you of your soul and yeah that's it that's the key difference like, I feel. Po- like this podcast I work my ass off at it. I do two episodes. I've done 853 episodes in two and a half years. I've worked, got up to 5,000 subscribers on YouTube, got permanently banned, had to restart on Rumble. But I've also, I know what you're talking about in terms of like things just kind of showing up on your doorstep. I've had too many guests that like I shouldn't be interviewing. Like I interviewed Dr. Malone and Dr. McCullough months before Joe Rogan did. Like I've interviewed Charlie Duke. He walked on the moon. Like I've interviewed way too many people, but yeah, you're, you're yeah, yeah. Like you're saying, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, work oh, your no, ass yeah, off, yeah, but no, it shows right. up. Yeah, you're in for me. And then I find the next thing is because you're enjoying what you're doing, or you're getting that positive feedback, then you know you've got more energy. You, you want to work of, towards it. You're like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, it doesn't. The key thing I find it doesn't drain you. It actually re-energizes you when you're on the right path, doing the right thing, doing what you enjoy, and it's everything fulfilling. Like that. And that doesn't mean lying on this sofa all day because I no. could do that once or twice, but I'd get bored and, and then I'd have to be doing something. And uh, I know people listening will understand what I mean, what the key difference is. We do have to recharge and we enjoy recharging. But if you're anything like me, then there's a certain limit where you have to get up and get stuff done I, to then get into that positive feedback loop of... Okay. I can go about 36 hours of doing nothing once a week. I can really... Yeah. I there is dial it. to doing nothing. Oh, there absolutely yeah. is. You like, yeah. enough to recharge the bat because you don't want to get burned out. No, enough no, no, to recharge yeah. the batteries. But I mean, after the second morning, I wake up and I'm like, "All right, what are we? You know, check my phone. I'm like, we got emails. We got who, who am I getting on? We're scheduling yeah, this. We yeah, got scheduling you're that. Vitalized, and, and you got to get into it. And the, the other thing about the art of doing nothing, and I, I mean it, is there are times when I'll just sit, no, no music. Uh, or no, you know, make uh, sure it's silent so that I can actually just go into myself, feel myself. Uh, I, I meditate every day for 30 minutes. That's why I was 10 minutes late. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes not even like, um, cause it's like conscious meditation, you know, sometimes just, just breathing, just, just sitting on the steps, maybe with a beer and just breathing, feeling the absolutely. sun, the wind on you, just a mindfulness. Bit of presence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mindfulness, a bit absolutely. of presence in there. And then, then you can get back stuck into the, the rigmarole and the fun of of life. So keeping that in mind, like that mindfulness, that presence, um, is also how I was able to just jump into into a country that I was told would kill me. Sure. Like a few a few days. Like there were bears roaming the streets. There was <laughs> the mafia from the 1990s still running around with AKs. And shirtless on a horse. Yeah. He will My find you. My mate literally sent me a video of like a gangland shooting in a, a garage like with Russian Kalashnikovs before I came. I was like, ah, cheers, mate. Thanks for that. Yeah, thank you. And uh, he might have been genuinely concerned, but I can say hand on heart, I've never felt safer 
in any city than I, I do walking through St. Petersburg. And I know statistics would agree with me. I'm more likely to be stabbed walking through London than I am to be shot uh, walking through St. Petersburg. There's no bad neighbourhoods like you'd find in London, in New York, in South Africa, in Johannesburg. There's none of that stuff. Uh, in fact, in a cu- first couple of days, I went for drinks with my boss, um, who just happened to... He wasn't a particularly conscientious guy. He was just like, all right, I'm 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 going home now. We live here. Oh, cool, thanks. How am I getting home? Because I don't know anything. Uh, I don't know, because the bridges have been raised because it's summer. So you can't get a taxi. The metro's shut because it's gone midnight. So um, good luck with that. God bless. Yeah, I'll see you at work on Monday. Thanks, mate. So I had to walk across the city. Uh, eventually, the bridge had come down in the time it um taken me to walk across the entire length of the city and i got back at like 6 a.m but as i was walking back i was thinking hmm i wonder if there's a bad neighborhood in st petersburg and if i'm gonna find it um but uh yeah no there wasn't and uh yeah very safe indeed there is the that i know i know i gotta let you go in a couple minutes i by the way we absolutely need to do another one because this is fun as fuck <laughs> we, we need to put aside some more time and do another one but yeah, no, the mindfulness part mm. is i mean that's been doing it since high school yeah even if it's not like sitting in a quiet room with your eyes closed meditation i know exactly what you're talking about where it's like Mm. hey turn off everything phone on silent open the window just or yeah just kind of step outside and just clouds be watch your thoughts don't let them take you exactly yeah i'm thinking of this now instead of thinking of it it. look there's there's anxiety there's depression Mm -hmm. there's regret there's excitement and you just i mean i was seeing a therapist for years after my brother died and once i started like this after several years of therapy is when i started this podcast Mm -hmm. and i was like yeah i want to build this thing and i remember her saying she's like for such like an anxious individual she was like normally when someone's like this cripplingly anxious they go get a very secure vanilla job, nine to five, so they can remove that that worry from their life. Yeah, one one source of anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she goes, but you're going for the most insane thing. <laughs> and I was like, yes, but it doesn't feel like that at all because, like you said, that's how you go into that new country. For me, it's like if I take a couple of days off of meditation or mindfulness, I start going like, dude, what the fuck am I doing? I'm 31. This podcast is making next to no money. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not even on YouTube. Holy shit. Why isn't this working fast enough? Versus like you dial it down and you're like, oh, I can do this. It's a day at a time. You just have to find new guests. They always arrive. Just keep working harder. Put out the episodes. The, the numbers are growing. You look at the, I keep track of all my data. I'm like, it's going up. Keep pushing forward. That allows you to sort of, you know, Ram Dass said uh, part of part of or no, Terrence McKenna said part of enlightenment is sitting with all the messiness, realizing that not a, not everything has a not all the loose ends get tied up. Mm-hmm. And sitting being with, fine with it, being, being yes, at peace with it and mm. sitting in the storm and going like, all right, I got it. There's going to be like there's going to be waves. I got it. And part of that and then is like realizing it, it, if you just master those aspects, you'll realize that everyone's the same. In, everyone's in just ways. as terrified. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Share the same anxieties, the same desires, the wills. So it didn't phase me at all. Uh, I'd, I'd been lucky that I'd had a school trip. I sound really privileged here, but I wasn't. 
of going to India when I was 15 years old. I had to like do bake sales and all sorts of shit to save up for this for yeah. like a year beforehand. But I knew it was a life-changing thing that was about to happen at 15 years old. And it did. So I got to India where I, I saw obviously extreme poverty, which gave me brilliant perspective about PlayStations and all that crap that was going yeah. on. The happiest kids in the world are playing in a slum with yeah. three sticks that they've used to play cricket. You know, and and the the most like the biggest belly laughs that you hear from children in India, they just have they love to laugh as a people. Actually, it's wonderful. So that had already told me that even though in Russia they are you know different different culture, different alphabet, different everything, they're still human. They yeah. still want the same things. And equally, because they're human, they know that you have the same needs. So if I go in a shop especially a supermarket well that's not any different from walmart in the u.s you go fill a basket and you can guess what the checkout woman's gonna say to you you know uh, do you want a bag is usually the first question so you can go done yet or just grunt mm. you know yeah. you know no clearly you don't uh so that's pretty much how i got by like guttural sort of like, like a two-year-old exactly you could but you can okay it's not very efficient but yeah you, Works. you can and i found myself yeah having to go to like mcdonald's where they had a translated menu <laughs> it was yeah. i don't eat mcdonald's usually i hate this stuff yeah uh, but I, I would go to those because of convenience and the international aspect of it but uh, yeah so that was the begin with and you could survive you can get by that way yeah uh, so yeah with that with that realization um and that piece that you can just be thrown in anywhere i don't know how much the military also formed that kind of attitude in me uh but improvise adapt and overcome uh, and yeah. sure enough yeah uh, things did and i'm still here and you talked about with your podcast and having goals and stuff i again i I'm going to sound really lazy to people, uh, and maybe I am, uh, but I try and avoid. I try and avoid too strict goals, so I have a rough idea of like what I want to set out to achieve, but I won't beat myself up about something or maybe not achieving something in a time frame I desire because I realize that's coming from me, and if it is going to happen, then it'll happen. More forces at work. Sure, and and most of the time, life has taught me that actually, if you chill out and back off a bit, it happens a lot quicker. So, uh, yeah, if you want uh, to achieve lots of numbers and stuff, if you actually let go of the hang up of all the numbers, Twitch was a good way. Live streaming was a good way to learn this because you can get hung up on um, number of viewers and all this stuff. If you switch that off and don't care, then the muse flows through. You're relaxed. People can then and you're making you know, better content, which Absolutely. brings more people. More genuine, yeah, and then you have actual fun. And that is the most attractive thing that people want to see. People and having fun. You, you know, stop giving a, a fuck, time. and now all of a sudden the numbers yeah. are appearing. Yeah, yeah, boom, and then money starts. So when you're doing something that you enjoy, I find that success is just, just a side effect, a consequence, and almost unintended. And then it snowballs because you're like, oh, my God, wow, I got a massive donation from someone. Yeah. And I had a lot of fun doing it. Brilliant. Can't wait to do it again tomorrow. Well, hey, yeah. oh, yeah. and there it goes. Yeah, yeah. I know. I've found definitely that I've, really probably in the past i don't know maybe six months or so i've stopped doing goals and not sure. like you said not in a lazy sense but I, mm-hmm. when you're pre-med and you're taking courses you know that it lasts three months you know you're going to get your grade on this day this day and this day and you know that there's a set of grades you can get it's yeah you should have goals because you know what day it's going to happen but with this i've found that what you have to do is i have my daily like productive thing wake up 
go to the gym, do a mile cardio, 15 minutes away, come back, shower, meditate, do a podcast, take a break, do a second podcast. In the beginning, I'm also listening to an audiobook at the gym, learn more. Afterwards, play video games with my friends, get eight hours of sleep. I know that there is a productive model I do. Some days, some weeks, you get an additional three subscribers. Sometimes you jump up a thousand, but you really can't. You have to look at like, what can you produce today? And it's, again, it's very philosophical. Like what Ram Dass would say, be like the most beneficial thing you can do is be here now. And mm-hmm. instead of going, shit, what's my next episode? It's today. I'm talking to Earl. I thought he was in Moscow. I'm wrong. Let me grab my <laughs> Pentagon there. hat. Yeah. Let's yeah. show up and just be, here, be energetic. There's, and there's discipline uh, as well, uh, which you need in both ways. There's discipline to work, but I'm also finding um, with someone else in my life, I won't say who, there's also you need to provide the discipline to relax and recharge. And you can, that balance. Uh, oh, sometimes I'm guilty of it. Dude, well, it's a fucking art. Right. It's an art. Yeah, but again, don't get hung up on it, but just listen to your body. Like, if you are feeling consistently tired over a few days, then, whoa, ease back a bit because, yeah, you know, I, you need to be a friend to yourself. I'm I'm OCD, and then I do five days of work a week. But I've gotten much better at, I mean, two nights ago, middle of my week, I was just, I just felt so burned out for no reason. Instead of, like, I gotta work through it. I was having so much fun playing Ghost Recon with uh, one of my buddies. <laughs> That out was like midnight. And I was like, dude, Ooh, do I just yeah, keep playing? And he was like, let's just keep playing. And we both just cracked an energy drink. And we just played till sunrise. And I took the next day off. I felt fucking great. And then t- instead of getting hung up on it, I just kind of leaned into it. Woke up yesterday, got right back at it. But it is very much so. I found more than anything, it's it's more of like this weird flowing art where it's you can't give in to every whim because then you'll never do anything. You'll just lay in bed. But you also can't, I've learned from pre-med, you can't just try to ground the world into dust in your yeah, path. It can't be a wrecking ball. Because it'll yeah, just, yeah. it'll kill you. It'll rip away your soul. Absolutely. And there is just like this dance in the center. But I've kept you five minutes longer than I said I would. Yeah, I think my little ones have I got you. I can, yeah, all right, I got you. So, <laughs> yeah, let's wrap this one up. Um, Can you, can you like email me like all the links you want to all your shit and I'll put it in the description? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Dude, it for you. I'd fucking love to do it again, man. We we need to set aside some. I'll do one earlier in the day so that you can do one earlier. That I'd love to do Actually, a longer yeah, one. Yeah, this is okay. We'll work it out. But it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, dude. It's been a pleasure talking to you. That was fun as fuck. I think uh, I think we need to do another one and just uh, really go off the deep end into philosophy. <laughs> yeah, we'll think just start yelling and screaming. I need to get myself a foreign agent shirt or CIA. <laughs> yeah, I put links in the description. Oh, oh, really? All right. <laughs> yeah, of my uh, videos. Dude, I'll like, get one. I'll agent. get one, and I can go CIA. <laughs> these are the su- these are my concussion sunglasses yeah, I was wearing. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. Well, hey, dude. Thanks so much for coming on. I'll no uh, I'll email you this when it's up. It'll be up in I don't know, maybe an hour or two or something. Okay. And, uh, would love to do it again, dude. Please email yeah. please email me the links. I'll copy and paste them. Oh, you can right. take care of the little one. Thank you so much, Thank dude. You. Pleasure talking Catch to you. Later. He is a foreign right. agent. He works with Ed Snowden. <laughs>